It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, what you want? Beak or jaws, feathers or fur, sharp teeth or feet with claws, whatever's preferred. They'll grant you all last requests to steady your nerves, then podcast the body parts, get severed and served. Bring your weak shit where the wolf and owler. That ain't just a mistake, that's an awful howler. Both of them are known to pull up at your shows, have the crowd witnessing the murder like they rolled in with a gang of crows. Fuck the censorship, let them see the whole thing. They stay dressed to kill, never sheep's clothing. Dark enough to turn the sun to the moon, you'll see nothing. All you hear's a half a puff and a Expect killings, red spilling and flesh ripping Impressive in it, the death bringing his head spinning Just kidding, every word in his song's about two grown men Dressed up as a bird and a dog Welcome to the Wolf and Our podcast uh, I mean, welcome, I, welcome. I, I can't tell you how dejected we're feeling right now Because we're hungover We did a gig, late, did a gig last night, got home late and uh, the reason I'm saying this so half-hearted is because we talked about all of this. We unpacked it all for about 15 minutes. And then Tom revealed that not for the first time, he had not bothered to fucking record what we were doing. Yeah, so, but also you've got to remember that you weren't recording either. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I wasn't screen recording, right? On to, I was audio recording, right? So oh. my part of it, if you want me to put out my one-sided part of the conversation, I can do. Okay, uh, uh, mate. As far as I was concerned, it was like we got into this. There was a problem with your microphone and your headphones. That okay. took up ten minutes of you having okay. a panic attack, right? <laughs> so I then, my, now I've had to get rid of my headphone and my uh, microphone because I'm literally petrified that this falls apart, the wheels fall off again. Yeah, this is. Uh, we're in. We're in. I would say, sort of in terms of both content and audio quality. We really are flying by the seat of our pants here. It, it's, Speaking it, of pants, you absolutely pulled my pants down there on the uh, the panic attack I had about my headphones not working. It, the, the, the truth is, we're very we're we're both nestling into big hangovers. Yeah. Romesh, obviously hungover, celebrating the BAFTA win, another BAFTA for my boy, my G. Congratulations! I think all of Thanks. our feline and animal friends would like salute you, and hopefully, when you're listening to this, I want you to look into the skies and. You know, salute your owl leader. 
Um, I wonder if they'll ever make this. I wonder if they'll ever make a film of this weird sort of anthrop. Anthrop. Oh fuck! What's the word? What is the word? Anthrop- it's coming the same when you're asking me. <laughs> what anthro anthro? You know when they make animals like people. Anth anthro. Amphor- Hold on, I'm looking it up. Anthro anthropomorphic. Have you ever heard that word before? No. No. Anyway, what happened was I tried to use a, a, a word in a slur, like a like a slate interview there, and I used a too long word, and I couldn't even fucking say that. So, uh, anyway, this that if you're if you're thinking, I wonder if they'll warm up and this will improve. No, is the answer. This is about as peak as it's going to get. Look, what, what we were talking about is the fact that um, we're you know I'm in my early forties, Rob's in, Rob's in his uh, mid forties. We're basically <laughs> both, uh, and we're both we're feeling the effects of like these elongated uh hangovers right yeah. can i just just before we carry on i am also in my early 40s because because you're doing a call back there people might be listening to this without listening to the past thing and then that just gets put out there as truth right okay you you know mean? in the same way that you told everyone in king gary that i'm like 49 or whatever <laughs> and now you're doing it on the podcast right look rom is 43 44 you know this 43 okay right but we're both now suffering these two two three day hangovers, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's and and when we we're when I was away, I was away in Bournemouth. Shout out the Bournemouth crew. Shout out everyone in Bournemouth. Um, when I was at, uh, there, someone said to me, "You're just out of practice, big man. You're you're out of sync for for the drinking mm. vibe." Mm. And uh, yeah, maybe I, I've well, not rode that horse said, for a while. One of the things you said to me is you bumped into a few Wolf and Owl fans, right? Yeah, it's nice, man. Just shout out to the Wolf and Owl fans that came over, and especially to the group of lads who came over, uh, and I shared a cold brewski on the beer with uh, a peach with. That was nice. Uh, they came over, brought me a beer, had a bit of a laugh. Um, so you've managed. To, you you've managed to. What I gathered from when we were chatting last night is you've sort of cultivated a situation where um, people that have listened to the podcast will just buy you a beer now because Look, of the way that you've prostituted yourself on this podcast. I didn't ask for the beer. A group of sweet, sweet souls came over. They brought me a, a you, nice... You didn't ask for the beer in that instance, but every episode you ask for a beer with whoever emails is... No, they get And then another guy and his the wife, shout out, in the world. Um, go on the beach with your wife and uh, your, young, your, your newborn. Uh, they came over. Uh, it was actually quite embarrassing, that one, because I had to have a beer with him while his wife stood on waiting with <laughs> waiting with the newborn. Oh, my God. I mean, I mean, God knows what the rest of his evening was like. <laughs> so to stand there attentively with a kid while the, while her husband has bloody beer with the wolf. Yeah, it was it's quite weird because sort of I kept on saying, "Is she all right?" Do you, I, I asked her if she want. I was going to. I offered her said, "Do you want some chips or something?" Right, because um, we were standing next to Harry Ramsden's. Um, but yeah, she was actually all right. She didn't want anything. So in the end, she didn't. She just uh, stood there and watched as we sort of didn't even down the beers. He, he said it was too gassy. It was quite funny. He ran off to get me the beer, yeah. and I had to stand with his his wife and child for a little bit. What while. did you did you did you did you chat to them? I said, "Have you listened to the podcast?" And she said, oh, "I think I listened to a couple." I was like, "All oh, right, yeah." But yeah. that's no, that's no, isn't it? <laughs> You're a very polite guy. I, I saw, I've seen how you are. Like even like last night, I was reminded of what you're like when when people come up and say hello and stuff. And you are one of the nicest and most accommodating people I've seen in that in that context man so you just you you kind of you've got a cool way of just sort of feigning interest and then walking off no can I tell you what so let, let's just clarify what happened last night we, we were doing two gigs 
right? Yeah. We're in between gigs. We just stepped out for a little breather in between. Yeah. I mean, I was a bit nervous about getting back in and like looking at this material again. And then we started having a chat. And basically, I thought you were happily chatting, which you were happily chatting. Yeah, they were nice guys. Yeah, but let me but, just say, but, actually, to, to, to reinforce your statement, you went back in to look at your material. I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit with two guys who'd been at the first gig, came in and absolutely <laughs> fucking tanked. Fucking no, you did it. You did it. You the did opening it. of my fucking second gig because I, I was... Oh, it's too fucking chilled. It's a hard thing doing two gigs back to back like that. Yeah, I, d- I don't think I, d- I didn't realize like you know because you, you sort of think to yourself, especially when you're trying out new material or you're, you're getting back into it. You know, obviously live comedy's back now for however long, hopefully permanently, and so there's loads of comedians trying to get there, trying to get match fit again. And so, what when people say to you, you can do two or three gigs. It seems it's like tempting, of course it is, and it's a good way of doing it. But the thing is, you forget how knackering it is, like because you, and it's not. I'm not talking about the actual physical process of stood up and talking out loud. I'm talking about the physical process of getting yourself ready, the adrenaline of it, the throwing yourself into the performance and all that. You don't realise, and then when it came to the second gig, both to, both you and I were like, I don't know if we can do this. I mean, obviously we were hungover, but but even ordinarily, if we weren't, I still think. I remember I, I've done a couple of nights where I've done like four gigs on the bounce, like where I'm really trying to get material ready for for tour. And the fourth gig on a on a, I remember on one of the occasions it was basically a write off because I was so fucked. I, like, I couldn't get like I couldn't give like the gig what it needed. Do you know what I mean in terms yeah. of reacting to the room and stuff like that? I, I found it yesterday. The, the worst thing is it's like I, I wanted to do two sets of completely different material. So yeah. I did one set, and then the second set, I, me and you had chatted through some stuff, and I was like, I want to do this bit. This is in my own open with this. And then I just opened with something easier because I, I hadn't taken that time to just go through it in my head. But, you know, like the first one, I went through everything meticulously. I'm like, look, this is the way I'm going to go. I know that what my points are, and I know where I'm going to angle this. It's like, uh, guess you know, like when you hear about people saving penalties at World Cups or scoring yeah. penalties at World Cups, Get pick your side uh, and then go for that fucking... Right, left, right, top corner, left, top corner. Yeah, yeah. And I basically, what I did is, I was like, I'm going to open with this bit, and then my bottle went just as uh, James Gill, shout out James Gill, called my name to come on stage, and I just thought, oh, you know what? I'll just open with the stuff I opened the first set with, and yeah. uh, my heart wasn't really in it, and then I really had to scramble to get the room back. It was like sand going through your fingers. So there's this festival they call it is McCuntleth Comedy Festival. It's run by Josh Widdicombe's brother Henry, right? Right, and I never even knew Josh Whittaker had a brother. Okay, well, I mean, I, I imagine that's something we need to take out the edit. Um, <laughs> no, it's so... insane. <laughs> Quite funny, I never even imagined Josh having a brother. What would you imagine it? Well, you know, when you look at someone, you think about their siblings, or you think about cousins, or you know, how many uncles no. and aunties they've got. I don't think I've ever, I've never, I've never, I've never met someone and imagined what their siblings might be like. Yeah, I do it quite a lot. Well, I'll meet someone and think. Oh, look, there's Josh Whittaker. Like, oh, so he probably had a sister. But I didn't ever for a million years think he had a brother. What? So, is that? Are you thinking he's had a sister? He's got a sister because of something about him? Well, yeah, probably just the way. No, I just always like whenever I've been with Josh, I thought, oh, yeah, he's probably got a sister. Whenever you've been with Josh, you thought he's probably well, not got every a time because obviously I've known Josh for a long time. But I've never. Oh, you know, I don't know. It's like Rob Beckett. I know. I always knew Rob Beckett had brothers. I never ever right. doubted that for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? But so, so you thought Josh had a sister, and then did you go as far as 
to start telling people he had a sister like you did when you sort of didn't understand what my age was? No, you sort of like no. sort of d- delivering that as fact to people? If if I'd met his brother anywhere and he said, I'm Josh Willigan's brother, I'd go, fucking hell, man, I didn't even know you existed. I thought you were a girl. Like, <laughs> it would, like don't you ever do that? You sort of think, like with you, I always thought you were an only child. And then I realised you've got a brother. Why did you think I was an only child? I don't know, just because sometimes you could be quite solemn. And like, I can imagine you just playing on your own. Playing on your playing on your own as a kid, so you can't, you can't even choke it out because you're so pleased with yourself. No, I don't know why. It's just don't you, you must think about like what what's this person's family all about? Yeah, I guess so. I, I'll be honest with you. I actually think you make an interesting point. Like when you said like Beckett's definitely got brothers. Oh, Beckett, you can yeah. see that, can't you? Yeah, all day brothers. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I was I was going to this festival run by Josh's brother, um, and. Um, Everybody said, this festival's so nice. You'll have such a great gig there, blah, blah, blah. And it's a great festival. But I turned up there with like an hour's worth of stuff. I was due to go on tour or whatever. Oh, no, I think it was before Edinburgh. I wasn't even, I wasn't touring at that stage. I was due to do Edinburgh. And I had this notebook with all the stuff in front of me. And I just looked at the notebook. And it's difficult to explain if you haven't done stand-up. But I had all these jokes, not even jokes, ideas written down. And as I walked into the room with the audience there, I just looked at the book and the words just dissolved. It was like the book just went, there's nothing here for you, mate. I mean, I genuinely died for an hour, like just played to nothing because I just had nothing. Just played to silence for an hour. People walking out like utterly nonplussed by what they just seen. Maybe even angry that I'd taken an hour from their finite lives. Well, you did an hour. I delivered. Yeah, it was an hour. It was an hour preview. And then I left and watched all of these other comedians raving about how amazing it is to be there and what a great show they just had. And I just didn't have the heart to say, oh, just so you know, I've broken, you know, this spell that everyone says this festival's got about how you always have a nice show. Just so you know, I, I took a massive shit in there, like metaphorically speaking. And I actually think not only was it a bad gig, I wonder if you have to sort of not use that venue anymore because I think it's like you know if like when you build in an old Native American burial ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what that is. It's a, it's a it's a site where a Sri Lankan comedian died, and we can't use it again. <laughs> like nine eleven, where the birds won't fly over nine eleven, were they? The only part of that little country town where birds won't fly over is because you died so badly <laughs> on your hole. Is it still going, or did Henry give it up? You're showing a lot of interest in a festival and a bloke that you didn't know existed five minutes ago. Oh, I'm just interested in Henry. I just think, like, yeah. I've quite liked um, to meet him, actually. I, think, if yeah. I don't think they did it during lockdown or whatever, but um, oh. I imagine it'll come back. Oh, I'd, like to go. I'd actually just like to go in a way just to meet Henry. If you're going, I'll come along with you just to say hello. It's a four-hour drive. <laughs> Where is it? McCuntless. Where's that? Wales. Oh, Jesus. I actually quite like <laughs> Wales, but I don't know if you, if you even have to go near my house to go there. Uh, I, no, I don't. I can't. I can't imagine I will do. I, I made the mistake of uh, the other thing I did when I did McCuntniff is I so ignorant, such an ignorant English thing to do. I got offered another gig in Wales, and I assumed it was doubleable because it was in the same country. Oh, you're joking! So I did. I did McCuntniff, and then I had another four hours after after dying on my ass for an hour. I had to jump straight in the car, pretty much, and then drive to Cardiff. Glee? To go and be pretty fucking average at another gig. Was it? And Glee? then I went home. Pardon? Glee in Cardiff? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a Glee. It was. I can't remember what it was. It was bad though. It was a bad. It was a bad day. And all this stuff in Wales. (laughs) I don't even know. Josh isn't Welsh, is he? No. 
I wonder what I've done there. I, have to, I really want to get to the... I actually think I'd get on with Henry when I think about it. What, based on what? I don't know. What do, you know. what do you currently know about him? He's Josh's brother and he runs a comedy festival. In Wales. He thinks outside the box. He's just obviously... He's just like... Well, if he lives there, like if he lived there, I wouldn't say it's outside the box. Well, no, if he lives there, then I'm just like I'm quite. I'm always interested in people who have moved away and why. What, yeah? Why did he decide on Wales? Why a small town in Wales? Yeah. Big shout out, Henry Whittacombe. So. Yeah, well, Henry, if you are listening to this, we'd love you to get in touch and uh, sort of answer all of Tom's queries. He seems to have got. I would describe it as creepily interested in your background (laughs) and the reason you made the decisions. People interest me. I, I find people interested. It would be just yeah. nice to have a cold beer with him. Have you ever um, done that? Uh, where you have uh, well, a cold... well, surprise, surprise. Tom wants that. And by the way, everybody that's emailed in and and Tom's offered to have a beer with, and you felt a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. This is this is the reason why you shouldn't get as excited as you have done. Because Tom, I would say six minutes ago now, I didn't know this guy existed. Hasn't met him. Doesn't know anything about him apart from he runs a comedy festival in Wales, and he's Josh's brother. And he now wants to have a beer with him. And, and and that's even, he's not even got in touch. Have you ever done it where you've had a beer with someone it's not been as spectacular as you thought? Or had a, the number sort of... of times that's happened. And I'm and, and I'm not just saying for me that way, that their way back to me, where like you, you get on with someone at work. I mean, you yeah. go, do you, do you want to have, it happened to me a lot in teaching. And you go and have a beer with somebody. And then early on in the beer, you sort of think, oh, we don't actually, we don't actually have a lot to chat about outside of work, and then you start thinking, actually, what you should be able to do in that situation is say, look, we gave it a go. It's it's a nice thing that we decided to try and make this happen, but it's quite clear that we're not going to be friends. Should we just sort of call it a night here and then we can go home earlier? It's Get a sad, really indoors. sad, depressing moment, isn't it? Like that. I remember when I lived in Bermondsey. In- like meeting up with a couple of uh, sort of what I thought were like-minded souls for a beer and having like, you know, I stood there, we had a drink, we had a bit of a laugh. Well, I thought I was tr- I was really trying to have the laugh and I could tell they were, just weren't really interested. They weren't invested in the beer. So I sort of, um, we all went our separate ways and then I tried going on a pub crawl just to sort of, just like like you with that gig, I tried, was I was just going from pub to pub to try and find sort of something or someone to sort of like, sort of, reinstall the fact that like, I was good company yeah it was quite a sad moment in my life actually yeah uh, have you ever had it with like going out with girls oh my god yeah oh, there was a girl that I was like obsessed with man not uh, obsessed is a bit of an exaggeration um, it's all actually the truth is it's not an exaggeration what actually happened there is I, I thought the girl might listen to this and obsessed sounds terrifying but anyway the point is I was really into this girl and I'd seen her at this bar like a few like weeks in a row, whatever. I managed to sort of get to a point where we went out for a drink and we went to this pub and I was like really excited about it and we sat down in a pub and it was one of the driest conversations I've ever had. Like, do you know, do you know those conversations where you're just fucking firing questions at each other? Yeah. But like, it's like a, if you were to say what your favorite meal is, what yeah. would it like you know just desperate absolutely desperate at one point and this is i don't know if this sounds significant to you but i remember it sound, feeling significant to me at one point they had music on in the pub and a song came on and i said the words oh, i really love jamiroquai oh I mean, god can, can you look <laughs> oh 
That's a stinker right there. Like, you know, genuinely, you know, back in those days as well, we were talking about, right? Yeah. Those, uh, I forgot, um, the, th- the point is that now you could, you, like, at least people can look at their phones and that's sort of like almost like a way of just sort of disguising disinterest. I'm talking late 90s. I'm talking yeah. no one really had phones. So, like, they'd either look at other people at the bar having a really fun time or sort of like look anywhere but at the person. Like, and like, I, I'd never be, the, I'd be telling, trying to tell funny anecdotes and stuff. Oh, this is worse than Jamiroquai, I think, actually. I remember going out for, for some drinks with this girl again that I really, really liked. And we were sitting there, we haven't, you know, um, and it wasn't going great. And uh, France 98 was on at the time. Uh, it was towards, I'd been out there, I'd, I'd told the story probably about me shitting myself to the girl. Um, and it was getting to the later stages of the tournament. Ronaldo was fucking revved up and absolutely tearing. Actually, maybe it was 2002. Anyway, Ronaldo was playing um, R9. And um, I sat there and started going through his career and his stats to, to this girl, like saying what a great player he was and sort of stood up to watch the ga- uh, game with a couple of lads at the bar sort of thing and, and turned around and she'd gone. Oh, <laughs> my. So sad and pathetic. There's something about men. What We, we just think talking is it, it, you're doing the job. I remember talking to you. just reminded me of another thing I told this girl. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency Design Future Formula, a personalized anti-aging formula prescribed by a dermatology provider to treat fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and more. Agency has clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than over-the-counter retinol. Future Formula by Agency. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. I kept telling this girl about how I thought Bubba Sparks was really good. Do you remember Bubba Sparks? Jesus Christ. Oh, God. He just you know what you tried to do? And it's just like, you've tried to be cool, haven't you? And I'm not, not saying that because I know that I can sometimes do this as a dickhead, but you've tried to be cool. Like... Tom, Tom, I'm going to hold my hands up, mate. You're 100% correct. Yeah. I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be like, I was, try, I, was try, I, trying to, I was thinking to myself, if I say to her that I know some rapper she's not heard of, she's going to like... I don't know, want to touch my penis or something. I don't know. Awful. Just awful. It is the worst feeling. Like, you know, this is, this makes me so much happier that I somehow got some sort of like chat for when I met my wife. Like all of that was just training for that, the big moment where I'd actually. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Like it's, the, the fact is I can sit with my wife now and we have a laugh, we have a joke and we, we get on, we have the same sort of conversation. When you, when we're like, I'm telling you now, this is real. We're having the conversation we're having, and my blood has run cold. I genuinely feel cold. Multiple times that I, I was in scenarios, you know. Did you, this is the worst one you can do. This is the worst one as a comedian. Did you ever ask a girl to come and watch you do a gig early on? I mean, you were with Lisa, weren't you? I was with Lisa, and yeah. sadly, I did ask that poor girl repeatedly to come and watch me do a gig. But yeah, yeah girl, what, what, what did you do? I remember asking a girl, just before I was with Catherine, to come and watch me do stand-up, thinking... I'd roofed a few gigs, right? I think I'd done my first store and I, I, I was doing well and I was really, uh, I, I, you know when you sort of feel like, oh, I've got the hang of this. But stand-up comedy is very much, as we know, it's like golf or anything. And this girl, I'd said to this girl to come and watch and it was, oh, even now it makes me feel actually sick. I was just so fucking bad. I put so much pressure on it to be the best fucking person on, on stage that night. Um, and I just was absolutely woeful. Like awful, 
thinking back, I think, you know, Tom Stade? Yeah. He was on that night. And, and Tom's a, Tom Stade's an incredible comic, and I had to yeah. sort of follow him. And he absolutely tore the room apart. And then I was going on after him with just, like, I look back now and just think, like, I had this sort of faux confidence. Oh, God. When I walked out and I just thought, and and afterwards I could tell she, she thought I absolutely sucked at it. It was like, like I'd never make any sort of living out of comedy. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to sort of, you know, trying to say, oh, yeah, sometimes that just happens and you sort of have a bad. Because obviously when you die, there's a thing like people assume that heckling is the same as dying, don't they, and stand up. Yeah. The two yeah. different things for me. Like I've, I've had absolute fucking cracking gigs when I've been like fucking heckled and it's just a part of the, everyone's got a bit giddy by the atmosphere. Dying is a whole new thing. Dying is the, is like, like for me anyway, it's like, it's your funeral and everyone's quiet and waiting for your fucking coffin to leave the stage. Oh. It's the quietness that, that kills you. Dying on stage. The thing that I always am conscious of, because the truth is like, you know, we were doing this gig last night, you and I, and, it's to get ourselves back to match fitness and to like be sharp again and blah, blah, blah. And part of the thing that you've got to do as a comic, part of the process of, of becoming a better comic is you've got to be willing to die. You know, yeah. like you've got, to, because if you don't, if you're too scared of dying on stage, you won't experiment enough. You won't try out enough stuff. You won't push yourself creatively. But, Sometimes when I've, you know, when I've been doing new material and it's not been working and like you're trying to, I become acutely aware of the fact that the people watching aren't going, oh, this guy's dying because he's developing and trying to push himself. They're just going, this guy is shit and I'll never see this person again do stand. Like, like, you know, I've done new material gigs where I've been the worst. I remember doing like, when I was trying to work up this new tour, I'd turn up with stuff I'd written that day. Everybody else would just fucking blast the shit out of it. Then I'd rock up and go, oh, so, you know, um, socks. What the fuck, guys? Or something like that. I mean, I walk out and I go, these 200 people now think I'm the worst out of everyone here by a long way at stand-up. Do you know what I mean? It's such a horrible... Yeah. It's such a horrible feeling. And, like, that girl, you know, bearing in mind that's the first time she's seen you, she'll just think you're shit at comedy. For, even if you, if you, even if you oh, did, mate. like... Even if you did like three or four smasher gigs after that, and nobody calls them smasher gigs, I don't know where that came from. But like, even if you did that, she's still got that thing in her mind, that stink of seeing you die. Mate, Do you know what I mean? She went back to the area we're from and told everyone I was shit at comedy and I wasn't going to make it. Even to this day, and I won't name her because that's, that isn't fair, but people would turn around and say, oh my God, I remember when she went to watch you and she told, she told us that, you know, it was so bad. Like, there's more people who revel in that than any of my success. Mate, I, I had that happen, mate, with um, a fucking TV producer. And it wasn't even a death, right? Like, like I can't name this person because they're, like, they're quite big in the industry, right? But they got drunk. I was at, a, at this party maybe a year ago, right? And they came up to me and they were drunk. And they, and they like, like, said, oh, you, like, they're just like, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And then... They told me this story that when I was doing my first Edinburgh, a load of like you know when you're doing Edinburgh, like yeah. people, like I'm sort of saying this for the benefit of the of the animal pack than uh, than you, but like you know commissioners will turn up, agents will turn up, producers will turn up, you know because it's a bit of a, it's like an industry showcase thing. And there's one night where loads of them turned up to one show of mine, right? Like it was really like my first Edinburgh, and at this bar that night, years and years later. He told me 
that he thought I was shit that night. Right? Like he goes, I just, I just, and, and then he said, I just thought you had nothing about you. And I told everyone like that we were had a drink. We were talk, talking about it afterwards. And I just said to him, I just don't think he's got anything and blah, blah, blah. And, like, and, and he goes, you know, fair enough, like fair play to you. Like you've proved me wrong and da, da, da. But I, did, I was thinking to myself, that could have been the end of, I, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know how that could have gone so much worse. Like basically a load of people that have an impact to put the potential gatekeepers to me, like getting on in comedy. This guy's like, just watched me thought I was shit. And just, he was like sort of boasting to me about how, how much he was saying to people because in a couple of them said, no, I think he's got something. I said, no, 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 no. You got that wrong. He's not got anything. Oh my first, God. There's so much weird about that. Like, first of all, to, to be that aggressive and willful about it to a load of people is one thing. And if, you know, they're, they're mates or whatever, if that's the way they want to talk, why do, would you tell me that? Yeah. What, what am I supposed to get from that chat? Do you know what I mean? It's so mad. It's, that's a power. That, that is one of the most intense things, by the way, when you're up in Edinburgh and you get those fucking gigs where people to rock up and watch you. Have I ever told you? So I was staying with this Scottish guy yeah, who's a friend of a friend who just got out of, like, fucking prison and he was staying at a halfway house. And uh, I went to stay at his house. Like, that was the only, you know, when you're staying at Edinburgh, everything costs a fortune. Yeah. Right. He said to me, I don't want to fucking stay with me. Every fucking, and I'm sorry if anyone Scottish is listening, I can't, I'm too hungover to a Scottish accent. But he said, I so he said, don't worry about money. So I get up there and, and what don't worry about money was, it meant was every day I'm going to ask you for between 20 and 50 quid that I can borrow uh, so I can go, let, get, go and get leathered with it. So I'm living with this fucking guy during Edinburgh. And every fucking day, he's like, hey, big man, can I come to your fucking gig? I'll bring the boys. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I try to put him off, put him off. Anyway, in the end, I go, it's like a fucking sort of Thursday or Friday, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Come down today. Come and watch the gig. You know, I hadn't sold many tickets or I hadn't, you know, it was sort of not a lot going on. Literally, within seconds of me saying to him and telling him, you know, I put some, put, put some tickets aside, I get yeah. a call from my agent saying, oh, um, You've got some people from BBC. We've got the, some reviewers in, da da da, are all coming down, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh shit. They come to the fucking gig, right? They've treated the gig like it's fucking uh, the Hacienda or fucking Yates's White. They've got steaming before they come into the fucking gig, right? So they, I see them come in. I see some people that I know are fucking big wigs from fucking production companies um, and all that sort of vibe. I'm looking around thinking, oh no, this is not going to end well, right? So I start my gig and I'm sort of doing doing my thing, and this guy sort of in the crowd is is heckling like you know, but nothing bad, but just he he sort of you know he's it was it was a latest show and he's basically starts to heckle me right, which I'm fine with. I, I sort of I'm never worried about heckling, so I sort of start having a bit of a turn throw with him anyway, you know. And then he starts again, and you know, and you're like, all right, I need to be getting some material. So I sort of said something, and then this fucking guy turns around and went. Ah, you keep on fucking talking, man. We'll fucking blow your head off your Right? The whole room just goes deadly quiet. Like, like deadly quiet. Yeah. And I, I, I on my feet, I go, so that's the guy I'm staying with. <laughs> and he sort of stands up and takes a bow. And then my head goes, like, I've got, yeah, yeah. like, my, whatever the material that I've done for fucking 20 nights in Edinburgh just fucking vacates my mind. And I'm like, oh shit, I need to just like, so I start telling the story, which I think in my head is I'm actually doing right because there's laugh, but there were laughs of fear. Do you know what I mean? There were laughs of the fact that people felt they had to laugh long because it's psychic. And uh, at the end of the fucking gig anyway, like this guy comes up to me 
uh, a guy we both know quite well, actually, we, we've both worked with together, <laughs> um, comes up and was like, that was great until you, the weird bit where you changed everything and started talking about the guy you're living with. Like, what was that a part of the show? And I'm like, I thought, I've got to take a thing here. I've got to take a hit. Because if I say that, no, actually, no, he's a fucking psychopath who's threatening to shoot people. <laughs> so I just played along with the fact, no, oh, no, 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 that's, uh, that, that's a part of the show. It's sort of like, yeah. I, oh I don't know why God. I did that. And he was like, that's a big move to do, like, because it's sort of, you just completely changed the whole construct of the show. And I, he was like, it's quite edgy. It's quite different. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it's just why we're here. We're trying to try. <laughs> fucking insane. And he went to me afterwards. He went, um, I went, what the fuck was that about? I'm like, why were you like doing it? You can't do that in a like comedy. Uh, and he went, hey, big man, we'd all double drop pills. <laughs> Before we came in. Should we do some emails? Let's put it into fucking accelerate. How do you think this ranks so far? Because like we, we've had, I don't know what this is going to sound like by the time it gets to, to you guys. We've had a torrid time with this podcast today, haven't we? Well, look, let's go through it so far. Your headphones broke. Then yeah. my microphone broke. Yeah. Then I wasn't recording. Yeah. Uh, you weren't screen recording. Then I started recording. getting an echo on. And yeah. that, now we're, we're in a situation where Tom and I don't... Act, we're currently in the process of recording a podcast that we don't know if it will be usable or not. So it's, yeah. it's a, in terms of commitment, artistically, it's quite yeah. challenging, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And also, you know what? It could just be such a big stinker that... Yeah. And this is on the back of, ordinarily you'd go, well, let's just not put it out. It doesn't matter. We've been putting them out consistently. And then you remember that we didn't put out a bonus episode yeah. on Friday. That was my so, bad, by the way. No, no, no. It's not your... There's no bad. But what I would say is, this is probably, in the run of doing these, this might be the lowest we've ever been, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, emails. Uh, thank you once again to The Swan um, for submitting the emails. Um I would like I would like to say thank you on behalf of the Swan to all the emails that I've seen that are oh and look who's just walked the Swan has just walked in she's flown in she's she's holding up a sign <laughs> what what it says can I take the mini yes you can all right bye bye love you mate what I'll, I love is the fact you have right, two cars enjoy bye bye so um listen what I'm about to say to you is. I don't know if we can put in the podcast. I'm just going to say this very, very quickly. Okay. Um, the reason that Lisa is asking if she can take the mini yeah. is because, and I don't know if the swan's going to, I'm going to have to check with the swan if I'm allowed to include this. Um, but if it does get included, if you do hear this story now, please can you send email in some support for the swan because she's feeling really bad about this. So the other day she ran into the house. I was, I was like getting ready. The early morning, she come back from PT. She runs in, freaking out. She goes, "Rubbish! Can you come downstairs? Can you come downstairs now?" Now, as you know, one of the most unflappable people around, yeah. Lisa. Right? Yeah. So, so, I'm thinking this sounds. This has got like what's happened is like one of the kids hurt or whatever. And I run downstairs. She has come back from PT. She's in a rush because she wants to get she wants to get Alex off to something. In her rush, she's gone to put on what she thinks is the brake on our oh, driveway, no. push the accelerator, and basically I walk out onto the driveway 
and I see our car halfway into the garage. Like she's just driven straight into the like straight well, in. Buckled like, the door. Not buckled the door, mate. Taking it off the front of the, like it's gone inside the garage and like smashed through the stuff. The brickwork's coming down. Like it was like what, mate? It was mad. Oh my god, the poor swan. Do you know what I felt bad about was obviously that doesn't matter. You know, it's irritating to try and not irritating. There's a faff and sorting that out. You've got to get in touch with insurance companies or whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a nothing. She was so worried and upset about it that it made me feel guilty about how she thought I was going to react to it. Do you know what I mean? Like it was obviously I do give a shit, but I don't, nobody's hurt. I don't, you know, I just sort of don't care. Like, you know, it's, it happens. It's an accident. I'm just not worried about it. Like, it's fine. But she was so, like, just so shaken up and upset. But the other thing is, is, and this is the reason why this might not make the cut, is she's also deeply embarrassed about it, right? You know? And so I've sort of, like, was testing the water about when it's okay to sort of make a joke about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'd sort of, <laughs> she'd sort of go, she'd sort of be talking about something else, and I'd go, uh, well, we'd best not put it in the garage, eh? Because that's not secure. Or, or something like that. And um, she still wasn't okay to joke about it. And, oh, and then she, and then I think she was playing with the idea of not telling anyone that it had happened. But but then what happened is one of our, what, I think it might have been Alex, went to stay over at his mates the other night <laughs> and just fucking told the family everything. My guy. My guy, Alex. Uh, okay. So anyway, thanks to the swan who, uh, in between the brick clear-up, has managed to select some emails for us. So, uh, greetings to the wolf, owl, and swan. Bearing in mind, by the way, that this guy wants to be anonymized, he's included his name quite a lot in the body of the email. Okay. Um, big fan of the podcast. It's been a great joy listening on to over the last months. I have the following situation I'd like to get some advice on. Last year, a good friend of mine got out of a long-term relationship, and for all the years we've known each other, she's been in that relationship. So although I would develop stronger feelings for her in times we were hanging out a lot, I'd always keep them in check, since for me it was quite clear she would end up marrying her then-boyfriend. Since the breakup, however, we've been having much more contact than earlier, and conversations always feel slightly moving into a more flirtatious area. That led to me making my feelings for a known to a known one day, by the way, anonymous, Congratulations for having the bollies to do that because well, that's okay. a big move. Also, and it con- turned- uh, also just to throw out there, what an absolute gentleman! What a, we have a gentleman on our hands here, and the basis because he's waited, he's waited. He loved her with all his heart. He loved her with all his mind, but he still let her. You know, yeah, yeah. He- and on top of that, he hasn't done that muggy thing that Andrew Lincoln did in Love Actually, where you rock up to your best friend's house yes. and you basically make it quite clear. That you that you're in love with his wife, but you pretend that it's noble because you've done some sort of yeah. secret undercover. I really love you, and actually, I'm pretending this has got no agenda, but it has got a deep agenda. I actually yeah. wanted to leave. He's my, my worst wife. character in that film. Awful. Oh, and, and you know, as you know, him and Alan Rickman. Shout out, Alan Rickman, incredible actor, but he's a piece of shit in that film. <laughs> he is, yeah. But that bit where Andrew Lincoln walks away from from the house and goes, "That's enough now." enough no mate what too much yeah that's what that is do you know yeah. what i mean you're also the creepy video that he took oh mate like love aside let's just even if that was a fuck even if you were sing both single and you took that video you fucking sex pest yeah how is that okay oh it's worse if you're single actually yeah it is anyway well look we, this guy's no andrew lincoln the guy this anonymous fella is an absolute maverick he's yeah, a real an absolute g mate um 
That led to me making my feelings known to her one day, and it turned out she seemed to have these feelings as well. After some time, though, she told me she was still quite overwhelmed with the breakup and needed time to figure stuff out, which I understood and decided to keep the talk about feelings on the down low in our following conversation. These conversations have all been via phone or text message since we live quite far apart from each other, and the pandemic hasn't helped that. But in four weeks, the plan for me is to visit her in her town, which I was pretty excited for, since I hope we were going to get to the bottom of the mutual feelings for each other. Now, a week ago, after a few days of no contact, she texted me and very nonchalantly told me she's decided to try to patch things up with her boyfriend. The fact she's getting back with him is actually not what got to me, but rather the way she told me, like I was just a random friend. Really felt very insensitive. It's her thing to do what she wants, but her telling me this without addressing the fact that I told her how I felt about it just a few months earlier really appalled me and I haven't had contact with her since. So my question to the wolf and owl would be, should I get in touch to let her know that I was really disappointed in the way she decided to tell me about the whole situation? Or is that her obligation to figure out that maybe she'd have handled it differently and contact me to work it out? At the moment, I'm not very interested in going to visit her with this situation between us. Any thoughts or advice would be appreciated. Greetings, Anonymous. I'm flying right, Tom, in. Tom, would you like to go first? I'm or would fly- you like yeah, I'm to- flying in two-footed, mate. Go on. I, I, and let me, let me say, we have had a lot of emails here. And yes, I've said this a number of times. But this guy is an absolute gem. I mean, you are a G, my friend. You are a cast iron sweet I mean, I've said the sweet, sweet soul, but bro, wow. Listen, I'm going to say now, without any question or any doubt or any agenda, is you, you need to text this woman and say to her, because you need closure on this. And when I say closure, you are not going to, see, and I'm being firm with you now, you're not going to see her, mate. That, like, you have been a respectful guy. You've been very, very sweet to her. I think you should send her a text. I don't think you make, don't make that text by, in any way, confrontational. I think you need to make that text and just say, look, you know, we, we've, you know, we've had a lot of discussions. You know, I've opened my heart, da 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 to you. Um, and I feel that this is, this is, a, you know, look, She's 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 got her own story. She's got her own narrative to this. I think if you've both chatted about your feelings for one another and your friendship is as you know solid as you say it is, I think you're due and you're worth a little bit more than just a, a text saying look, you know, a nonchalant text. I think at least a phone call to say look, you know, I'm sorry, this is how I feel, and that's fine. But just a little text just feels it doesn't. If you feels that you're you're due a little bit more than that, and if I'm honest with you, mate, I think. It feels that that whole thing is quite complicated, and it's you know maybe I'm wrong on this situation, but I think she you know let her sail her race, let her go her way. Maybe if you're destined to be together, you'll uh, you'll get back together and 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 think you know you'll, you'll get together and things will be fine. But I think as it stands, you spent quite a long time sort of hoping for a relationship with with someone who, who's ungettable. I've been in this position; it's a horrible, horrible place to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been in a situation where a woman I've liked is ungettable. And for me, ungettable is any woman. No, but, um, I... I, I, I would just say, um, Tom, th- this is quite unusual because I, I quite strongly disagree with you on this. Really? Yeah. There's certain things I agree with. The first thing I'd say is I think this guy that's emailed in is a great guy, a really yeah. great guy, right? And I think the way that you've handled yourself, mate, has been impeccable. With so, absolute I, I, decorum. Yeah. And so what I'm about to say, I don't think you're going to like, but I want you to understand that as within the framework of thinking that you, I think you've handled yourself immaculately. This is what I personally think, right? I think that this girl is going through a difficult situation, right? And, and, and she's inadvertently been inconsiderate, okay? But she's in a situation where she's been in a really long-term relationship. Those things make you lose perspective. They're very difficult to process. 
And she is caught up with trying to make that work, right? And unfortunately, as a result of that, you've been a victim of her in your, to your mind being her being nonchalant about telling you that that she's getting back with her boyfriend. What I would say to you is, and you might not feel like this, there is no way she could have delivered that information to you and you've been all right about it. I'm I'm just telling you this now. She is telling you something you don't want to hear. There is no way that she could have said that to you. There is no way she could have addressed that that would have left you feeling all right about it. Because the truth of the matter is you're really into her and there is no way you would have felt okay. So the truth is, while you feel like she might have been nonchalant about it, a lot of this is the fact that you're not hearing what you want to hear. That is what, I'm sorry, but like that is partly where your reaction is coming from. What I would say in regards to what Tom said is, listen, I don't know if you should text her, man. I think that you've behaved really, really well. But the fact of the matter is, this might not, might not be the one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this but then I think this... in that case, though, Rom, then he has to text him to say, fair enough, you know, good luck with it. I, th- I think what, what I'm saying he needs is is he needs absolute closure. Cause... Sure. He, I, 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 do you know what, Tom? I do, ag- I do agree with you that he does need closure, but I don't think... I don't think any good can come from you texting her to say, I'm disappointed in the way that you that you handled that. I think you just be sort of really honest about it and say something along the lines of, I really thought that there might be a possibility of, of something happening with us. You can understand why I might be disappointed that that's not the case. Can I just finally clarify, should I just put this to bed permanently? You know, you can say that in, in the way that you would say that and see what she says, man. Do you know what I mean? Because... For all you know, she might be thinking, I don't know whether I should go back with this guy or get with you, but she doesn't know how committed you are to your feelings. So what Tom is saying is right. To be crystal clear about what the situation is is always going to be the best strategy. I think the, the truth of the matter is she doesn't owe him anything. That's 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 not what I'm yes, getting at. Yeah. I think the truth of the matter, the, the big thing of it is if he has said his feelings what and they have now had this flirtatious, is... He there just needs to be an element of like this is over for you know I mean I guess that's what she's done she's texted him to say I'm going to try and make a run of this yeah maybe like you say that's not come out and so I just think I suppose it's I, I know like I genuinely have I've been through this situ- situation I went through this before I was with Catherine you know a couple of years before I was with Catherine I went through this whole scenario and it's a really hard position to be in where you're like you're trying to be a decent person you're trying to be good you put you know trying to you know, give that person their space to work their shit out. I just think that he's now got to a position where you just need he just you just need to think about yourself. And and by all means, if you've got a really good relationship with her as friends, make sure you, you you know if you can somehow make that work for yourself, then make that work if that's worth hanging on to for you. But I think the truth of the matter is, you need to just draw a line over the under the romantic side of this and move, yeah. march on. Uh, good luck, good luck, brother. Okay, do you want to do one more, Tom? Yes, sir. Go on, bye boy. Uh, this is from uh, Badger. Wow. Uh, there's a guy that used to drink at my pub, at my dad's pub called Badger. Wasn't it in your show? No, it wasn't called Badger. It was called Lemon. That's it, yeah. Uh, okay. Dear Wolf Allen Swan, I apologize for not writing your names in full. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do with my recent dilemma. It's an absolute madness getting talked about on your favorite podcast. So, uh, so this is the guy who uh, emailed us. Do you remember the guy that emailed us about his wife having a bit of a past? And it was like the yeah. talk of the village or whatever. So uh, he's called himself Badger. 
Okay. Did he call himself Badger last time? I can't remember. I don't think he did, no. Uh, Dear Wolf Allen Swan, thank you for taking the time to deal with my recent dilemma. Here's an update. Uh, My wife opened up about her past a bit of her own volition, and she was more ashamed than she let on. She didn't want me to think any less of her because of the things that she did. I reassured her that her past is her business, but I hated the thought of people talking the way they did behind her back. We talked for hours until it turned into the biggest laugh session we've had since our daughter was born. Wow. It was a top trumps of shit sexual encounters. Um, I'd love to do that with Lisa. Just tell her about the three times I've done it. In terms of the guy who was a prick about my wife, he did a remix of his old line before half term when my wife joined us on the school pickup. She fronted him up and told him she had no recollection of him and showed him how much he drank back then if she did. <laughs> showed him how, showed her how much he drank back then if she did. He looked crestfallen. The look was beautiful fuel for the rest of this week. It occurred to me that he felt like he had something over me, but my wife's actions took all his power away. Still want to smash his face into a pulpy mess, though. But that's my own separate issue. Ultimately, thank you for the taking the time to consider, provide advice and guidance. Communication is so important. And I dread to think where my head would have been without your intervention. You two joke about your ability to help, but you truly have. Thanks again, Badger. Wowza. Badger. And, you know, uh, your lady. You're, I mean, she sounds like an incredible human being, right? Yeah. And, and, and like, good for you both. I, I, I wish you joy and I wish you salvation. Uh, Badger, can I just say to you, on a day where Tom and I may have committed not only our worst podcast, but the worst podcast (laughs) (laughs) to the internet, to receive that email from you actually has been a massive tonic. So uh, thank you very much, brother, for that. Thank you. And I'm glad things have worked out. My guy. Uh, Tom. We don't know if this podcast is going to make it. It's very likely that after this, you're going to text me and go, maybe we should just have a week of, of not having them out and start up again on Friday. I, I, I don't know what you're going to say to me. I don't know how you're feeling about it. But could you please, just in case this does make it to public, make it to I can't even. Yeah. Can you take us out, please? There was two rats and they were scouring among the, the filth and dirt of the sewers. Um, and one of them uh, found like uh, like a old packed lunchbox full of like a kid had thrown it in the sewer basically because he didn't want to eat his packed lunch. And it had like, uh, like sandwiches in and what's-its and a club biscuit bar. And this rat is over the moon with it. And he's fucking, you know, wolfing it down. Uh, the other rat is like, oh my God, like he's searching around hoping for a to find a another lunchbox because his friend isn't sharing it. Uh, and he comes across a bar of gold. And the rat with a pat lunchbox wets himself laughing. He's like, oh, my God, like, what is that? You can't eat it. You can't do anything with it, right? And the rat is a bit crestfallen. He's absolutely on his ass. He looks at the gold and he thinks, this is absolutely worth this. You know, that guy's basically got, like, He-Man pat lunchbox and he's scouring through it and he's the winner of the day. Anyway, he takes the gold bar and he goes back to their like little rat house, like their hole in the wall that they live in, in an old lady's house. And um, one of the wiser rats turns around and says, oh, my God, Felius, that's what, where did you find that? And the rat is like, what do you mean? He's like, where did you find that? And he's like, I found it in the sewer. It's worth this. It's just an old stone. He said, no, my boy, no, Felius, that is gold. That is gold. Like That's worth a lot of money. So... Felix is like, what? This is crazy. So basically, uh, Felix 
goes to the bank with the gold. He puts on his suit and he goes to the bank with the gold. And um, he turns around and he says to the bank manager, look, now I found this gold in the sewer. And the bank manager's like, oh my God, this is this is worth like £8,000 at the current price, this amount of gold. Um, and Phoenix is like, wow, fucking hell, this is amazing sort of thing. He doesn't really have much idea of what £8,000 is. Um, but well, he knows he gets, enough to put a suit on and go to the bank. Yeah, but he gets, he gets his £8,000 uh, and he takes it in cash. And he basically walks out and he just looks opposite is uh, a supermarket. So he goes in the supermarket and he buys sandwiches for all of the Rat Pack. He buys it like, and what's it and everything and takes like it all home with him. And all the rats are standing there and they're all excited. And he walks in with food for everyone. And everyone's like, oh my God, wow, look, fucking food. Like, you know, this is so kind of you. And he said, look, we can eat like we can eat like kings forever. You know, Tesco's is cheap and we have like, you know, 7,985 pounds left, right? And then the rat who ate the packed lunchbox looks over and he sees everyone laughing and the fit, you know, and he says, brother, um, I suppose you didn't buy me a sandwich for I didn't share with you. And he looks at him and he says, yes, I did buy you a sandwich. Because sometimes with life, the wealth of £8,000 is nothing compared to seeing my kin eat and be happy. Other people's happiness, that truly is the real wealth of life. That What a lovely, what a lovely story uh, about a rat that couldn't identify gold but could go and, and sort out a meeting with a bank manager. <laughs> Do you think this... <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's a possibility that you might have telegraphed the reveal on that story by 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 starting it by going he finds a bar of gold <laughs> i wonder where this is gonna go so that so that rat that rat's got a fat lunchbox and the other rat's just got gold and he's, he, he doesn't think it's worth anything i wonder, I wonder how this is gonna pan out <laughs> Oh God, mate! Do you know what? I'm going to tell you this now. That last email and that closing to the episode, you've just made this. So well, thank you, so, mate. Well, you know what? This has been saved by a rat and a badger. God bless you both. If you have a problem, opinion, feedback, or anything at all please email us at wolfalpod at gmail.com. That's wolfalpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, mainly because we don't have any content ideas. Thank you.